0: It's 8.30 on Friday, December 7th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, hear details on a new study showing where thousands of Mississippi working adults and children are food insecure this holiday season. Then find out why some Mississippi parents hope their children's names will be selected during a special scholarship lottery next week. And learn ways to offer disaster relief through the American Red Cross's giving campaign. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thousands of Mississippians are experiencing regular uncertainty about where their next meal will come from. That's according to the U.S. Hunger Atlas by Hunger Free America. Analysts rank the state as the fourth most food insecure state in the nation. The ranking is based on more than 150,000 working adults and 22% or more than 160,000 children living in food insecure households. The advocacy group says lawmakers can change those numbers. Joel Berg is CEO of Hunger Free America. He tells MPB's Ashley Norwood the mass deprivation is affecting more than 500,000 Mississippians overall.
1: Unfortunately, because Mississippi has one of the highest rates of poverty in the United States, it also has one of the highest rates of hunger in the United States. The number of hungry children in Mississippi, about 22 percent of all children in the state, is the fifth worst record in the entire United States. And we found that 156,000 people in Mississippi are working adults but still don't earn enough to feed themselves and the rest of their family. So we do hope this is a wake-up call for leaders at the federal, state, and local level to do something serious about this problem.
2: You mentioned two populations specifically, children and working adults, and I'll take one at a time. Now, with the children, so we know during this time we're expected a lot of kids will be out of school. I know what we've seen in a lot of studies, um, children who are living um, in low-income families, uh, they eat at school, whether it's free or reduced lunch, but they eat at school. So now that they're coming home for the holidays and they won't have that school lunch, What does that mean? How how can that be an issue for some of those children?
1: When kids don't have enough food at home, they rely desperately on the school meals programs. And in fact, hungry kids are just about the only kids in America who root against vacations. In the North, they root against uh, snow days because they know they're going to go without food. In Mississippi, where so much poverty is rural, places like the Delta over the summer, they're not really covered by the summer meals program, which are better designed for for urban areas. So child hunger is a problem throughout the year, but particularly a problem when school is out in places like Mississippi.
2: And with those working adults, why is it difficult for them? Are they not making enough money?
1: Unfortunately, the minimum wage in Mississippi, $7.25 an hour, is the same as the national minimum wage, and just isn't enough for people to survive. Uh, Hunger Free America found in our survey that states with higher levels of minimum wage have higher levels of of food security than states that didn't. In other words. States with higher wages had less hunger. It shouldn't be a shock, but it is. And both high levels of unemployment and low wages in Mississippi contribute to uh, the significant hunger problem. There's a stereotype in Mississippi, as in much of the rest of the country, that the reason we have so much hunger is people just aren't working. That's not the case. The vast majority of people in Mississippi are working adults. Children, senior citizens, veterans, and people with disabilities, the stereotypes just aren't true in Mississippi or anywhere in America.
2: Based on the the data that you all have collected, what would be a recommendation to meet the basic food needs um, for Mississippians that are living in poverty?
1: We'll say when Robert Kennedy visited Mississippi in the late 60s, it kicked off a national conversation about hunger in America. When we had bipartisan coalitions in Congress and people like Thad Cochran, who were strong supporters of the Nutrition Safety Net, we made real progress. And so we need national conversation. We need more bipartisan support to support more jobs, higher wages, and adequate nutrition net, including a more robust SNAP program, the new name for food stamps, as well as more universal school meals. If the federal government leads on that, Mississippi can finally reduce its hunger and the rest of the country can finally reduce its hunger.
2: Is there anything that I didn't mention that you would like to add, Joel?
1: Mississippi has led the country in so many areas in the past, including bringing some of the best music to the planet. We hope that it can lead the country again in in getting its federal leaders to support a serious effort to reduce hunger in Mississippi and America.
2: Joel Berg is the CEO of Hunger Free America. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.
0: Berg says food insecure Mississippi residents would need more than $273 million in additional food purchasing power each year to meet their basic food needs. The increased food purchasing power could take the form of a combination of higher wages and increased federal nutrition assistance spending. Olita Fitzgerald is director of the Southern Regional Office of the Children's Defense Fund. She tells our Ashley Norwood what more people can do to improve the ranking.
3: Education is critical for our next generations to be able to um to get the skills they need to be able to get the kinds of jobs that will pay them the wages uh required to be able to take care of all of their family's needs Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that um uh there are people who are opposed to government regulation and government services uh but they um are also opposed to um, increasing wages for struggling families. So I, I beg the question, what do you expect people to do? If they are working at jobs and if they are not getting the kind of education that's going to provide for them the skills they need for a 21st century economy, what is it exactly that you expect people to do? If we don't provide uh, some kind of workforce supports a job supports to make sure that people have the food they need uh, to be healthy and the health care they need when they are not healthy so um, I think that you know we are we are reaching a place where our compassion uh, for people who struggle every day, work some of the hardest jobs every day, are are considered less important than other people. And we, we really, as a country and as a state, have got to get beyond that if we will maintain the moral authority or have any moral authority uh, when it comes to what America does and what Mississippi does for its children. And its families.
2: Is there anything that I didn't ask, something that I didn't mention that you want to add?
3: I would add that Mississippi boasts an unemployment rate of less than 5%, somewhere around 4%. In many regions of this state, and in fact in most regions of this state, the unemployment rate hovers around double digits, if not higher, uh, in, in, in the 10s in, in the or 20, 20 percentage points. We have got to figure out how to increase workforce opportunities for families that are getting locked out of this economy. And we, at the same time, have got to make the investments necessary so that our children are not attending schools that are not providing them with the technology, the skills, or the instruction that they're going to need, or even the infrastructure in their buildings that's going to make sure that they are able to grow up and be uh, gainfully employed and not have to depend on any resources from other places. It is short-sighted, the kinds of policies that we are engaging now in this country. And again, to place your emphasis on taking things away from families that struggle every day just to keep their heads above water is not where we ought to be morally in the state.
2: Olita Fitzgerald is the Southern Regional Director of the Children's Defense Fund. Ms. Fitzgerald, I want to thank you again for your time. Thank you.
0: The full report, the red, white, and blue hunger wave, a 2018 United States Hunger Atlas, can be found on Hunger Free America's website, hungerfreeamerica.org. Anyone needing food can call the USDA Hunger Hotline at 1-866-3-HUNGRY. Coming up, find out why some Mississippi parents hope their children's names will be selected during a special scholarship lottery next week. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation's Get to College program. Based in South Haven, Jackson, and Ocean Springs, get to college advisors, help students and families plan and pay for college. Learn more at woodwardhines.org.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Some parents of children with special needs hope to receive assistance for costly expenses this winter. The Mississippi Department of Education will hold the Mid-Year Lottery for Education Scholarship Accounts, ESA, on December 13th. Established by the Equal Opportunity for Students with Special Needs Act of 2015, the ESA program provides scholarships to parents of students with disabilities who want to remove their children from a public school to seek educational services elsewhere. The upcoming lottery will award 41 ESAs for the 2018-19 school year. The slots come from families who were previously selected but opted not to participate in the program. The drawing offers hope for parents like Donna McCool. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier she has applied three times. I
4: applied for
5: the ESA scholarship to help out with the expenses, and since then I've been on a waiting list. You have to reapply every year. And this past year, when I went to reapply for the 2018-2019 school year, the first day that you could send anything in was um, February 8th. So on February 7th, um, I took all my information to the post office because you have to send it in by mail. And I overnighted mine for it to be one of the first ones to get there and where I could get a confirmation on it. And um, they've held, I want to say, two lotteries since then. And on those, Kinsley did not. You know, her name didn't get drawn. And I called and questioned it, um, talked to several different people. And um, not until just about maybe two months ago did I find out they didn't even have Kinsley's um, application. And I said, how can this be? Someone signed for it, gave her the name, gave her the time. It was signed for everything. And she's like, well, I'm sorry, we don't have it, you know. So I've spent these last two months going back and forth just trying to find any kind of answers I could get. So the last person I talked to told me to reapply and that I could hand deliver it and um, that if there was any way for me to get the confirmation receipt, that I needed to do that. I had a different email address, so I don't have access to that one that they sent it to. So um, I have called the local post office, and they're supposed to be getting me that confirmation on that, hopefully today, and I'm taking that and her new application And I'm going to hand deliver it this afternoon. So I hear that there's a new lottery coming up, and I definitely want to make sure she's in that. But my thing wise, I took precautions for this, you know, and Kinsley was supposed, her name was supposed to be in the first two lotteries. So when I do turn this in, I'm going to ask them, you know, can her name be in there three times? You know, because she missed the first two, and it was to no fault of my own. And I know that sounds probably crazy, but I think there should be some type of way that they can help.
6: And there's, um, from what I understand, only 41 slots.
5: Exactly, exactly. And there's more, a lot more than 41, trying to get this, you know, ESA scholarship.
6: What does this mean to you? Um, how much money will it be?
5: Okay. Well, I'm. Um, you can, when your child gets diagnosed and they have an um uh, if mom was diagnosed with dyslexia, you have a chance to sign up for the ESA, and there's also a dyslexia scholarship. Um, the, the dyslexia scholarship don't pay quite as much toward tuition as the ESA. The ESA pays about $1,500 more. So that is, I know $1,500 doesn't seem like a lot to some people, but... For me, it is, because um, basically I pay down on Kinsley's tuition, and I pay monthly, and it's almost $500 a month just her tuition, you know, right now. So it would mean a tremendous amount to us. It would relieve a financial burden or help relieve it, and I could put, like, additional money to Kinsley getting tutored, because she desperately needs a little tutoring in the afternoon with a therapist, and I would be able to provide that and pay for that if I had that additional money to kind of offset it a little bit. So it would mean a lot to not only me financially, but my daughter as well, because she, you know, um, she didn't get diagnosed until she was eight. So she's, you know, it's a little harder for her, and they told us that she would need some extra therapy to get her where she needs to be age appropriately.
6: Well, Mrs. Donna McCool, we really appreciate you sharing your story,
0: taking the time to speak with us.
5: Thank you so much. We greatly appreciate your help also.
0: According to MDE, all eligible applications submitted for the 2018-19 school year will be included in the lottery, but there are hundreds of applications on the waiting list. Nathan Oakley is chief academic officer for the Mississippi Department of Education. He tells our Desiree Frazier, despite the number, the slots still provide opportunities for families.
7: So the way the lottery is conducted, we have uh, applications that we have received here at the department uh, they've been reviewed and are, are eligible uh, to receive the funds, and each of those applications gets assigned a, a number, and then we've, we get a sense of how many applications uh, we have on file, and at this point, we've got right at 200 applications on file. We know we have at this point, I believe, uh, 41 lottery uh, positions, 41 awards available, and so each of those applications that's eligible, we have, we'll have have a number assigned to it, and we'll use a random number generator to pick numbers from that uh, list of 200. And once we get the uh, 41 numbers, we go back and match those to the uh, individual families or students that were uh, assigned those numbers and then uh, send that notification to the families of their uh, potential award.
6: Now I understand that there is a waiting list for this education scholarship account.
7: Then there has been a waiting list uh, for the account for uh, several years now. There was not obviously when the when the law passed initially there was not a waiting list, but that has uh, been the case for several years. Uh, that that we uh, tend to keep a list of individuals or, or families that are interested in receiving the scholarship.
6: How many are on this list
7: uh, at this point in time, as of? Uh, last week, there were 202, or earlier this week, excuse me, uh, there were 202 applications on the waiting list.
6: Wow, for 41 slots, there's going to be a lot of disappointed people.
7: That that number changes over time, obviously, as, as additional folks uh, submit applications. Uh, that number does change, and then when we have a lottery, obviously, it'll, it'll decrease some. But we uh, have had individuals on a waiting list for um, for several years.
6: Do you foresee funding changing anytime soon? Do you uh, know?
7: I have not heard any discussion about um, shifts in that funding from all of us.
6: Every student is allocated a certain amount of funding. Is that the funding that follows them in this scholarship program?
7: So the funding for ESA uh, was based on a $6,500 amount initially, and then there's some calculations that are done that allow for, uh, that create an adjustment in that amount. And it's varied a little bit um, each year for this current year, though the amount is $6,594.
6: Nathan Oakley with the Mississippi Department of Education. We thank you so much for your time and expanding on how this lottery is conducted.
7: Thank you, Desiree.
0: ESA recipients are eligible to be reimbursed up to $6,594 in 2018-19 for the cost of private educational services. Grant Callen is president at Empower Mississippi. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier changes in how funding follows students could eliminate the need for the lottery.
8: For families who are on this waiting list, your name will go into the pot, and at this drawing, they will draw numbers out that represent different names, and the numbers that are drawn will get a scholarship. The problem is it needlessly leaves out families who won't get it, and so we've heard from many families across the state who have been through three and four and five rounds of lotteries waiting for their number to be called and they've been left behind every time.
6: So there's a chance your number may not be called.
8: The Department of Education will draw 41 scholarships, but there's more than 200 people on a waiting list. So most people will not get one, and they're going to be frustrated, and those parents are going to be hurt that their children have to wait. And the most frustrating part is this is not an unsolvable problem. The legislature can fix this in 2019 if they want to. They simply have to... Allow additional scholarship slots to be created by allowing funds to follow the children.
6: Grant Callen with Empower Mississippi, we thank you for your time speaking with us about this issue.
8: My pleasure. Thanks for having
0: me. Applications must be received by December 11th to qualify for the lottery. Letters will be mailed to awardees on December 14th. For more information, visit wwwmdek 12 Dot org slash ose slash esa. Coming up, learn ways to offer disaster relief through the American Red Cross's giving campaign. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation, committed to helping more Mississippians obtain post-secondary credentials, college certificates, and degrees that lead to employment. More information about Woodward Hines Education Foundation at woodwardhines.org.
0: You're listening to Mississippi Edition, the only daily radio news magazine that covers the whole state. I'm Karen Brown. Every eight minutes, someone affected by disaster is helped by donations to the Red Cross. That's according to Mississippi Region Director of Communications, Tamika Smith-Jewitt. She says during the holiday season, Mississippians can help bring comfort and hope to people in need. All year long, they
4: train and update training to respond to disasters. So basically, uh, when a disaster happens, most of them, let's say in a hurricane situation, we usually have far enough advanced notice that a hurricane is approaching. So um, we put that plan in action. Um, we know our partners that we're working with as far as uh, opening up shelters and making sure food and resources are in place. After a disaster like a hurricane passes through, then we go into our next situation of making sure that people who have been impacted by the storm have a safe place to stay and food to eat and lots of emotional support uh, to recover
0: from the disaster. Tamika, outside of a huge disaster like a hurricane or something, where else and what other situations does the Red Cross respond?
4: Most of our responses to home fires, even right now, um, since the first cold snaps. Uh, so to speak. We've had about 150 fire calls here in Mississippi statewide. That's just for the month. So so our volunteers are busy and um, people come in. Some of them have lost everything. Sometimes people just need a safe place to stay for a few days and they're going to be with family members or, and and, uh, again, a lot of times it's just starting all over. And so, um, Fires are all the time, you know, they're constant, but you don't make the news all the time. But if you just come and get to know what we're doing in the community, you'll see
0: why the need is so critical and why we're always, um, you know, asking for volunteers. What do you need in terms of volunteers? What, what kind of criteria, what, what kind of skills should someone possess to be a volunteer with the Red Cross? Well, we have
4: several positions with uh, uh, volunteer positions through the Red Cross. People can go to RedCross.org and learn about those opportunities online. Uh, most people come to us wanting to uh, port disaster relief. And the one thing that's very important to note is that uh, training is involved. And several hours, for it just depends on uh, the, the position, it could be several hours. So we encourage people that may want to volunteer in disaster, now's the time uh, to get started. So you can get that training and when the time comes you you know what to do uh to support that particular disaster so um and then we have people who help us uh to answer phones here at the red cross so there's multiple positions there's something for everyone um a position for people of all ages so we just ask people to sign up and uh we'll walk you through the process if you need that and sometimes people aren't really good with the computers but we do have a team that can help you find uh, your right fit here at the red cross
0: Let's talk about financial contributions. What is the need financially?
4: Financially, we are always in a replenishing mode, so to speak. But we're just talking about volunteers being ready to go. If there is a disaster, they're able to deploy at a moment's notice because we have the resources to send them, whether they're gassing up cars and driving to locations where there's a need or there's, there's a need to fly them to a community to support a need, like particularly right now, we do have a couple of volunteers who are helping with the California wildfires. You know, their training fits uh, the need to help with logistics in that situation. So we do have people there helping out. So that's why we're always uh, in a need to keep replenishing that money, because when it's there, we're able to start uh, spending and buying what supplies are needed for the communities, even if it's here in the Mississippi area.
0: Tamika smith Jewett with the Mississippi Regional Red Cross. Hear this conversation again whenever you want by subscribing to our podcast. Just search for Mississippi Edition in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the Gestalt Gardener. Then at 10, it's Next Stop Mississippi. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio.